back to the Google Workspace Update podcast from Strawberry 7. My name is Adam, and normally I'd be joined by my lovely co-host Adam, but unfortunately Adam's had to work very late on this Friday, so I don't want to drag him onto the podcast, so just be me, I'm afraid. Uh, we are here to bring you the latest updates happening in the world of Google Workspace. This podcast is available in audio format from wherever you cast your pods, and also in video format on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash strawberry7. Coming up on the show today, we have eight updates for you today, so another busy show. We've got updates to Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Chat, Admin, Google Docs, Google Meet, Admin, and finally, client-side encryption. Oh, we've heard that a few times before. As always, there is a link in the podcast or video to the document that we read from. This contains more detailed information, some relevant links, lovely pictures, and even some moving graphics showing you these features in action. So, let's get to it, and on with the show. First up, we have an update to Google Docs. There are new ways to use Smart Canvas in Google Docs. Google is introducing a new feature in Google Docs that utilizes Smart Canvas to boost productivity and streamline your workflow. Starting this week, you will see suggestions for email autocomplete followed by a people chip conversation option using the tab key. Now, I'm pretty sure that we've seen some of these features before in Google Docs, um, but, you know, Smart Canvas is very, very cool. It's a, We've talked a lot about it before. It's a system that Google has kind of created with these smart chips, and what it essentially allows you to do is put in sort of smart areas into things like your Google Docs. So, for example, the people chip um, will allow you to put in somebody's name, but it will actually convert it into kind of a contact card almost. So somebody going into that document, let's say they didn't know that person, they could click on that people chip and see a whole load of contact information about them, which might be quite useful for you to have. Um, so I'm pretty sure that, that this sort of thing has been seen uh, in Google Docs for a while. I'm not too sure what the difference is here exactly, but... Um, it's, it, you know, Smart Canvas is a very, very cool feature. So email autocomplete is, is pretty good because if you want to write emails in Google Docs, then you can do that and it will allow you to do some of those things. Now, Adam's added some links in here for some more details if you want to check out his features in more detail. There's a rollout to rapid release domains now and launch to scheduled release domains is planned for March 7th, 2024, so not too long. And this is going to be available to all Google Workspace customers, Google Workspace individual subscribers and users with personal Google accounts. So as I said, there's a few links in that uh, document as well. Next up, Google Sheets. Now generally available is to import and convert sensitive Excel files into client-side encrypted Google Sheets. You can now import and convert sensitive Excel files into Google Sheets with client-side encryption. When collaborating with external and internal stakeholders, you may find yourself working across both Google Sheets and Microsoft Excel. This update keeps your work moving by layering interoperability on top of the privacy benefits of client-side encryption. Users are in direct control of their encryption keys and the identity service that they choose to authenticate for those keys. So this was previously announced in August 2023, and there is a link in the document to the previous announcement if you want to check that out. It's part of an open beta. So that's why it sounds familiar. I was thinking to myself, again, this sounds quite familiar, but this is now kind of generally available rather than being in open beta. So there's some additional details here. With this release, you can only import .xslx Excel file types. Try saying that five times. 
Uh, additional Excel and tabular file types are not supported. During import, unsupported Excel features in Sheets will be ignored. So that's quite important if you've got some kind of odd features in there. Maximum file size is 100 meg, which is pretty big. The maximum number of cells that can be imported is 10 million. Oh, only 10 million. I wanted 10 million and one. So to get started with this, admins, client-side encryption can be enabled at the domain, OU, and group level in admin console, security, access and data control, client-side encryption. You can also visit Help Center, and Adam's added a link in there for that. For the end users, if client-side encryption is enabled by your admin, you need a Help Center to learn more about how to work with encrypted files and again Adam's added a link in there. So we have talked a lot about client-side encryption before and I sort of mentioned that it was something that had been rolled out previously as a beta for this particular update. Client-side encryption, now Google encrypts your files and encrypts your data on Google Drive anyway but client-side encryption allows you to put your own key in and that's very relevant if you've got some weird kind of data restrictions. Maybe you're working with a defense department or something like that and you have to show that you're using a particular encryption standard or you're in complete control of the encryption. This will allow you to put your own encryption keys in and then nobody can, can read that data apart from you. What this feature is doing is it's allowing you to take those existing Excel files, bring them in and, and just enable that client-side encryption sort of seamlessly by just importing them. So very, very useful for anybody who's using that. The rollout pace here, rapid and scheduled release domains has gradual rollouts up to 15 days for feature visibility. And that is starting on February the 26th, so that's a little while ago now. And availability, this is gonna be available to Google Workspace Enterprise Plus, Education Plus, Education Standard customers. So like we've seen with this client-side encryption, it's quite nice because although for business customers, it's right at the top end with Enterprise Plus, which you'd kind of expect, those big companies who are working in those very, very odd restrictions. It's quite nice that with education, they've opened it up a little bit more. It's not just Education Plus, but it's actually Education Standard as well. So nice to see Google continuing with that. Okay, next up, we've got Google Chat. Easily identify which unread threads are most relevant to you in Google Chat. So last year, Google announced that the all newly created spaces in Google Chat will be inline threaded. So this is something Google's been kind of transitioning over for absolutely ages. Uh, this streamlined user experience enables you to reply to any message and create a separate discussion isolated from the main conversation. Google also uh, introduced several updates such as home mentions and starred messages to help you find what you need much faster in chat. Today, Google is continuing with enhancements across chat by improving the inline threaded experience in spaces. With multiple threads across numerous spaces, Google knows it can be difficult to identify which unread threads are most relevant to you. In order to provide you with more context up front, you will now see participant avatars for unread threads in the conversation view. Without having to click to open the thread side panel, it will now be much easier for you to decide which threads to read and reply to. So just to let you know, there's a nice graphic that goes with this as well, showing uh, those kind of little avatars there. Being able to see the participant avatars for unread threads makes it easier to identify whether a thread is relevant to you. Um, so there's a couple of graphics in here actually. There's one kind of showing specifically what that looks like with the thread. There's one sort of showing it on a phone screen as to what it looks like in context with other messages. So to try and explain this, if you've got inline threading, first of all, to sort of set the context for that, it basically means that if you've got space and you've got conversations backwards and forwards, 
and you want to go off on a bit of a tangent with, say, a couple of people, rather than kind of doing that in a different space or doing it in a group or anything like that, you can sort of go off on this little sub thread of messages within that space and it, it sort of goes off to a little other area um, like another tab within that uh, chat. What this is bringing to that is it's going to put the little avatars in there of who is involved in that chat which I can imagine is really useful actually because if you're working with let's say your line manager and you see that your line manager has contributed to that inline thread on and it's to do with maybe a project you're working on you might want to kind of click on there and say and, and see what they've written that might be quite relevant to you and the point is having an avatar and seeing them there you're able to do that pretty easily and, and see the relevance there so I think this is a nice update it's a nice little tweak uh, getting started here, admin, there's no admin control for this feature, so nice and easy. End users, this will be on by default. And there's a link that Adam's added in here so that you can learn more about um, working with that in chat. The rollout pace, so there's a different bit of availability here for web and things like that. So web, rapid release and scheduled release domains is a gradual rollout, up to 15 day feature visibility. That started on February 26th. Android is rapid and scheduled release, again a gradual rollout, that started on February 26th as well. And then iOS is rapid and scheduled release, gradual rollout starting on February the 26th. I don't really know why Google separated all those because they're all the same. And the availability here available to all Google Workspace customers and Google Workspace individual subscribers and even Google users with a personal account. So right across the board there, which is really nice to see. Okay, next up we've got a admin update. So available in open beta, the group's admin role can now be provisioned for specific group types. The group admin role can now be assigned for security groups or non-security groups. Previously, those with the group's admin role had access to all groups within an organization. This change gives administrators more granular delegation of group admin responsibilities, helping limit access to the most sensitive groups to only those who absolutely need it. This feature is available in open beta, which means there's no additional sign-up required to use this feature. So there's a nice graphic that goes with this, which I think kind of explains this quite well. And what they've done with this is in the graphic, they've put a condition label here to say, in this example, label contains security. So I think that's what this is saying is that you can set um, kind of a group admin role depending on what context your user is sort of in or what you, what context your group is in by this example setting a condition of a label um, and that's what it means by it can be provisioned for specific group types. So I think this would be pretty useful if you've got certain conditions. I think there'd be quite specific conditions that this would be useful in. Again, pretty large organizations might benefit from this quite um, a bit, but I can imagine that this would be useful in certain uh, certain situations here. And it's good that it's in an open beta because you don't need to particularly do anything to sign up. It's just, uh, just open there. So if you're interested in using this feature, getting started for the admins, you can assign a group as a security group through the Cloud Identity Groups API or the admin console. And there's links in there for the document for both of those. And then manage these groups through the admin SDK groups API or the the admin console or the cloud identity groups API. 
you can see API documentation to learn how to update the Google group to a security group as well. And there's another link in there for that. There's also links for visiting the Help Center to learn about group admin roles, signing specific admin roles, and pre-built administrator roles. Uh, for the end users, there's no impacts. This is an admin feature. Rollout pace is rapid and scheduled release domains. There's gradual rollouts up to 15 days, which started on February 26th. And this is going to be available to Google Workspace Enterprise Standard, Enterprise Plus, Education Plus, and Education Standard customers. So kind of at the top end there, apart from education. Okay, up next, we've got a update to Google Docs. So new ways to annotate Google Docs. Google is excited to announce a new feature, Markup, in Google Docs, which gives you more flexibility when providing feedback in a document. The new Markup experience lets you add handwritten annotations to documents with a stylus or your finger when using an Android device. It's pretty cool. Markups can be useful in numerous scenarios, such as colleagues giving each other handwritten feedback on diagrams, charts, reports, or proposals, educators giving students feedback on their essay reports, short stories, and more, a homeowner providing ideas or upgrades on construction plans for their contractor. Um, in order to add annotations, you must use an Android device, so um, boohoo to iOS users like us. From there, you can enter markup mode and annotate using the pen or highlighter tool. Hide or show markups, erase markups, insert suggested markups. Oh, there is a bit about iOS, I take it back. Now there's a very nice moving graphic in here to show sort of how that works and what that looks like. Um, very easy to use. They've sort of given an example here, a bit of a report, and there's on the toolbar on the top, there's a little button that's like a pencil. You can click on it. It brings up a few little tools for the annotation, and you've got like a highlighter tool, a normal sort of pen tool to write on. You can change colors. You can erase and do things like that, and they've just sort of circled. They've written some notes in there about that. Um, I think this is really, really nice because yes, you've got the comment feature, but if you have a look at this moving graphic, you'll show that one of the things they're doing here is actually writing over the picture, over the graphic that's already in this document and saying, you haven't put a label on here or you haven't said what this is. That's really hard to do with just using the comment feature. So I think this is very useful and things like the highlighter tool is really cool as well. Now, on iOS devices, you can view a document with markups, delete markups, or show and hide markups. So, actually, I kind of overcooked that because you can't actually make them. Um, so, still boohoo if you've got an iOS device, you can't really do that, which is a bit of a shame. But at least you can view them. That's, uh, that's pretty useful, I suppose. Um, on a desktop, you can view a document with markups, delete markups, and show and hide. So, similar to the uh, uh, iOS devices there. The Getting Started admin says no admin control for this feature, but for end users to turn on markups, open a document, select the markup tool from the contextual toolbar, that's the pencil that I was talking about at the top, and draw on your thing with your finger or a stylus. And there's a link in here to learn more about how to do that. Now, I just want to say, if you can draw with your finger, I don't really know why this isn't available in iOS. And iOS does have markup feature built in for things like PDFs and photos and stuff like that, where you draw with your finger. So I don't know quite why they've sort of not put this into iOS. Maybe like Adam said before, maybe you've got to have an Android large screen device or, or foldable or something like that. Although it doesn't actually specify that, I don't think here. Um, so the rollout pace here, rapid release domains is gradual rollout. So again, up to 15 days feature visibility. And that's starting on February 27th. And then scheduled release domains is gradual rollout starting on March the 11th. Availability is that this is available to all Google Workspace customers, Google Workspace individual subscribers and users with a personal account. So just available to everybody really. 
Up next, we got Google Meet. So conduct direct one-to-one -one calls with people outside your video calling network on Google Meet Mobile. That's quite a bit to take in, but okay. Earlier this year, Google introduced cloud-encrypted one-to-one video calls between users in the same domain using the Meet Mobile app. In the coming weeks, users from outside of your domain will be able to initiate one-to-one -one video calls with your users and vice versa. Admins will be able to pre-configure this functionality as on or off for their users with a new admin control. Timeline for this update is as follows. Admin control for restricting external calls placed directly to a user via their email. Admins will begin seeing the new control beginning today. And note that this admin setting does not apply to external calls placed to a user's legacy account. Okay, so there's quite a lot of complexities in here, but it's in the uh, there's lots of links in the document to explain this a bit further. And then end user availability. So that was admin control. This is end user availability. The external calling feature will begin rolling out to end users beginning in April. So we've got a little way to wait for that. Um, there's a little bit more here. One-to-one -one cloud encrypted video calling in the Meet Mobile app makes it easier to connect with others by significantly reducing the need to create meeting links ahead of time. Google is expanding these one-to-one -one cloud encrypted calls to allow users outside of your domain to initiate one-to-one -one calls, making it easier to connect with your external partners and stakeholders. However, to ensure external contact is appropriate, admins can turn this feature on or off for their users. So there's a little bit about how to do that in just a minute. Um, I quite like this because we've basically, Google has created the telephone by the looks of this. So I'm, I, I think this is again, an area of Google Meet that we just don't use particularly. We don't really use Google Meet mobile. I mean, I use the mobile app, but not for kind of cloud encrypted video calling specifically on the Meet app. And I, I'm probably missing something here, but I don't quite understand what the difference is between this and just doing a one-to-one -one Google Meet. It does say a little bit here about it avoids you having to send Meet links out ahead of time. Fine. But then you know, how do you kind of initiate the call? I guess they're going to go into it in the getting started. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like a telephone where you're kind of just calling somebody. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I suppose if you're spending a lot of time in the Meet app and, and using that, I guess that would be quite useful. But let's go through the getting started and maybe it'll make it a little bit clearer. So getting started for admins, creating meetings and callings is on by default in Meet, but it can always be turned off. Note one-to-one -one calling was launched earlier this year, so you may already have this turned off, just to let you know. By default, users can receive calls only from contacts and other users in the organization. You can use the new admin switch to enable calls from outside of your domain at the OU level. So it's quite good you can control it at the OU level as well. And there is a link in here that Adam's put to learn more about that. There is a note here as well. This setting affects only Google Meet calling, not legacy services, formerly known as Duo, or calling in Google Chat. So this is Google Meet calling, not chat calling. This also does not affect the ability to join meetings. Uh, you can visit the Help Center to learn more about turning Meet Legacy calling on or off for users. Note that if you have Meet uh, Legacy calling enabled for your users, they will have access to features previously found in Duo, like group calls, messages, moments, family mode, etc. if they have not upgraded to the new Meet app. 
So there's quite a lot to unpack there if you are using this. Uh, I would recommend going in here and reading thoroughly this document to see a little nuances of what you may need to turn on or off or, or sort of change out. For the end users, meet calls do not include legacy calling features previously found in Duo. So again, group call messages, etc. Um, but these continue to be available if your admin has legacy calling turned on, like we've just explained earlier. And if the person you're interacting with is using a personal Google account. Right, so there's quite a few sort of caveats in here. Uh, again, you can visit the Help Centre to learn more about making Google, uh, sorry, Meet calls with Google Meet and learn more about the new Google Meet app. So I think that's the critical bit that I'm missing there is how to make Meet calls with Google Meet and using the Meet app. And, and maybe that's the difference there. It's a Meet call rather than a Google Meet, yeah? So I think that's what it's specifically talking about there is, is those Meet calls, which seems to be a different thing to um, just having a regular Google Meet. Um, again, quite useful that they're encrypted end-to-end, particular requirement for users I imagine if they're in specific scenarios where they've got to have those very very secure calls that are encrypted so that's uh, it's quite useful. The rollout pace here, admin control, there's rapid and scheduled release domains so it's a full rollout so one to three days for feature visibility that starts on February 27th so it should be done by now and end user availability, rapid and scheduled release there is extended rollout so possibly longer than 15 days and that's not starting until April the 8th so that's uh, a little bit away. And this is going to be available to all Google Workspace customers. Okay, next up, we've got a admin update. Easily manage and secure your school's accounts and mobile devices centrally in the Google Admin Console with Endpoint Education Upgrade. This year, Google announced Endpoint Education Upgrade, which adds enterprise endpoint management features to your Google Workspace for Education Edition. Using endpoint management, admins can better manage and secure the phones and tablets used across their school directly from the admin console. Note that advanced endpoint management features are already included with Google Workspace for Education Standard and Plus. Using the endpoint education upgrade, admins can configure a wide range of account and device management features, helping to make the organization's data more secure across the user's mobile devices, desktops, laptops, and other endpoints. For example, you can control what Android and iOS app can be installed on a device. You can log into it for device -owned devi uh, domain-owned devices and where it can access your data. Protect devices from loss or theft with admin rules for alerts, location tracking, access restrictions, and remote data wipes. Manage company-owned devices or set up Android work profiles so users can safely access your school account on the go and require stronger device passwords and more. You can visit the Help Center to learn more about all of the features and there's a link that Adam's added in there. So, this is great, right? Anything that adds security and control and everything like that for admins, especially in a school environment, we really, really like. Um, I think what this is saying is that, that this is basically a specific upgrade product that you can get and you can bolt into your Google education platform if you want to manage these devices, but you don't necessarily want any of the other features of the teaching and learning upgrade, education plus, education standard, anything like that. So this is kind of an add-in and that's why it says, note that advanced endpoint management features are already included for education standard and education plus. So if you've got education standard and plus, you've, you've already got this, you don't need to worry about it. This is, I think, for people who don't have that, 
They've just got kind of education fundamentals, essentially, but they want to add those device controls in. You can kind of get this as an upgrade without having to go the whole hog of, of getting standard or education plus or anything like that. So the getting started, admins can visit Help Center to learn more, and Adam's added a link in there. The rollout pace, the education, uh, sorry, the endpoint education upgrade will be available for purchase through your current Google Workspace for Education reseller, of which we are one. So if you don't have one already, please do contact us on info at strawberry7.com and we'll more than happily help you with that. And select channel partners on February 29th, 2024. So that's gone now, so that's available to purchase. If you do not currently have a Google Workspace for Education reseller, you can find one here. There is a link in there, but you can just come to us, as I say. So uh, yeah, why, why go anywhere else, right? Um, availability, so the endpoint education upgrade is available by user-based license or device-based license, which is coming soon. It is not a domain-wide license. You can purchase endpoint education upgrade licenses through your current um, reseller. Again, we can support you with that, with purchasing those licenses as well. So that's an important thing to know here because if you get Education Standard or Education Plus, it, it kind of goes out across the whole domain and you can just tag the licenses onto any of your users. With this, it's much more linked to user-based or device-based. So it's kind of a lot more specific there, which makes a lot of sense because let's say you've got a school and you've got 10 Android devices that you've just given out to SLT, you might want to assign the licenses to just those users or just those devices, depending on your kind of use case there and your internal policies that you've got. For example, if you've if the phones are going to be kind of essentially owned by the users and always stay with the users, even if they leave the school, then attach it to the uh, user. Um, if it's going to be device that sits with the school and changes as the users change, then I'd probably put it on the device ownership. If you have education fundamentals and wish to upgrade instead of purchasing individual endpoint education upgrade licenses, you can easily upgrade to Education Standard or Education Plus. Again, we can help you with that as well if you just want to upgrade to those uh, those levels where it will give you all of those features and a whole load more as well. So interesting that Google's created this. There must be a use case out there where they found that a lot of schools just want a few licenses to control those devices maybe or something like that. So Google's obviously filled the gap there. Quite nice uh, for that. If you've got a lot of devices uh, and you've got kind of some other complex requirements, you may just find it's better to go to Education Standard or Education Plus. It gives you loads of loads of extra features. We've talked about them in this podcast extensively. Loads of different things there that you can do. And I do say this all the time, but for any new listeners, just bear in mind, it, whether you're an MSP or you are a school listening, whichever side of the fence you're on, if you're thinking about going to Education Plus and you're concerned with cost, just remember that there are some features in Education Plus which may do things that you're paying other products to do. So what I mean by that is let's say you're paying for Loom to be able to record your screen and be able to present to your students and do pre-recorded videos. You don't need to pay for that because Education Plus gives you a functionality in Google Meet where you can, or even Google Slides, where you can record your presentation um, and you can do all of that. So you don't need to pay for another product and you can kind of get rid of a paid product that you're using and instead just have Education Plus, which is probably going to cost you about the same amount of money and do all of this other stuff as well. So just bear that in mind. 
Finally from us this week, we have client-side encryption. So set client-side encryption as the default mode for new emails, events, and files on mobile. Admins can now set client-side encryption, or CSE, as it's given it a uh, three-letter abbreviation, which is uh, very nice, um, or as I like to call it, a TLA to be on by default on Android and iOS for newly drafted email messages and replies, newly created Google Calendar events, and newly uploaded Google Drive files. This is really, really cool, actually. So admins can now set client-side encryption as the default mode for users on both web and mobile that regularly handle sensitive data. This allows organizations the flexibility to meet their compliance and regulatory requirements and reduce the burden on change management programs. Each new email, event, uploaded file on mobile is automatically client-side encrypted with customer-managed keys, meaning the user is compliant with their organization's policy from the outset. For organizations with strict regulatory or sovereignty requirements, this can help them close compliance gaps by defaulting users to the preferred mode for handling sensitive data whilst on the go. Absolutely. If you've got those complex requirements as an admin, you can just go... Everything that's created is client-side encrypted. So I've already talked about client-side encryption earlier, even in this podcast. Uh, so I won't go into what that is, but this is just, again, helping with those compliance rules by just saying anything that's created has to be client-side encryption. It has to conform to those policies. And then as a company, you can go back to your suppliers and you can say, hey, we've got policies in place that mean everything is always encrypted. Everything that's created is encrypted, even on a mobile device. So with our client-side encryption. So that's really, really cool. There is a link that Adam's added in here as well for the original announcement as well. So if you want to check that out, you can go back to that. The getting started here for Advins' feature will be off by default, but can be configured at an OU level. You can visit the Help Center to learn more about client-side encryption. And end users, there is a help article to learn more about working with encrypted files in Drive, Docs, Sheets, and Slides. It's not too much to know as an end user, but it's just handy to know what it means, I suppose, if you're interested in how that uh, affects you. Rollout pace rapid and scheduled release domains. So it's a gradual rollout, it's up to 15 days, which started on February 29th. Loads of things happen on February 29th. Um, so that is rolling out right now. And availability, this is Google Workspace Assured Controls, is available as an add-on to Google Workspace Enterprise Plus customers only. So right at the top level, there's not even education on here. So the Assured Controls, which is kind of this, this add-on that you can get, is an add-on to Enterprise Plus only. So you've got to be right at the top level. Your customer has to be right at the top level. And then you need to have the Assured Controls add-on. If you need to uh, find out about that, you can contact us and we will more than happily help you out with that. So you can drop us an email on info at strawberry7.com or always in the document that we read from, which is linked in the podcast and the video description and in the description itself, there's shortcuts and links to be able to set up a meeting with us if you so wish. But for now, that is it. That is everything that you need to know about all of the latest updates happening in the world of Google Workspace. Remember that there is a video version of this podcast available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash strawberry7, and an audio version available from whenever you cast your pods. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us this week, and we will be back again next Monday, hopefully with Adam as well, with more updates. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>